you're doing well, do even better. Well, that was the message three months ago, anyway. Hello, and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs. In this episode, we're starting into 2 Thessalonians. We'll look at chapter 1 today and see kind of how it plugs into this whole question of how is Thessalonica and what are they doing? Previously, Paul has written 1 Thessalonians. Whether that was three months ago, that's what I kind of think it is. That's what it feels like to me. Maybe it was three months, six months, a year before Paul had previously written 1 Thessalonians with a basic message, you're doing well, excel still more, and keep pushing as you already are doing. Now we get 2 Thessalonians, coming in a little bit later, in a little bit of a different phase of life, and it's more of a checkup to see, did Thessalonica keep doing what they were doing? Did Thessalonica continue in their faith, or did they pull back, or did they fail in something? It's Paul's update video on Thessalonica, and we get a little lens into how the church is living, and we get to see exactly how they responded to his first letter and to his encouragement there. With that in mind, let's start by reading 2 Thessalonians 1, and while you're reading, ask yourself this question, are they doing well? Are they doing what Paul said, or are they not? And I think you can tell some indication of which answer that is based on the first chapter. Let's start reading in 1 Thessalonians, sorry, 2 Thessalonians 1. I'm going to mess that up several times over this. Let's start reading 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 in verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, since your faith is flourishing and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. Therefore we ourselves boast about you among God's churches, about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. It is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you also are suffering since it is just for God since it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels when he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength on that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at by all those who have believed, because our testimony among you was believed. In view of this, we always pray for you that our God would make you worthy of his calling and by his power fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him, according to the grace of our Lord of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you think Thessalonica is doing? Are they better or are they worse than they were in this first book? Well, when we look at 2 Thessalonians 1, we may instantly be tipped off to realize maybe they're not doing as well as we might hope. And that's kind of depressing, right? Because 1 Thessalonians was all about Paul being very grateful and very thankful for how good Thessalonica was. 
Now, 2 Thessalonians is a little bit of a step back, and it's a little bit of a, a recentering. And Paul says, hey, you guys need to listen up and pay attention to these things. Maybe you don't see that when you read through the chapter, and so you might ask, well, how how is it that I see that? Well, here's how I see it. Start in verses 1 and 2. It, Paul has a brief introduction here in verses 1 and 2. He has uh, basically a main body, a main paragraph in verses 3 through 10, and then verses 11 and 12 is kind of like his summation of the whole thing, um, and that's how we'll break it down. Firstly, you have verses 1 and 2, the introduction and the introductory statement. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. I just read 1 Thessalonians 1 in verse 1. And if you were looking at 2 Thessalonians 1 in verses 1 and 2, you'll see that same picture. You'll see those same words, except in verse 2... Instead of saying grace to you and peace and leaving off at that, Paul has to say grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he just said that in verse 1. And when he wrote 1 Thessalonians 1, he was content to just leave it in verse 1. He left one mention of it. Why does he put a second mention here? Isn't that a little redundant? Isn't that a little unnecessary, Paul? Why would you put a second mention of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Why not mention one of them? Why go through the full thing to give all the setup and the same title and everything? Why would he do that? Well, Thessalonica evidently needs to hear it. Maybe they need encouragement from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe they need uh, rebuke from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe they need something that only God and Jesus can provide. And so Paul is emphasizing this on the front end. Hey, here's a repetition of who you're listening to, of who you're about, of who you're supposed to be following. There's an emphasis here. We don't know exactly why he says this, but it's an indication that they need to hear it. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but from the next section and from the main focus that Paul opens 2 Thessalonians with, it seems like maybe they need some grounding in terms of the, uh, the destruction that's coming and judgment and justice and God's return. When you look at verses 3 through 10, you see this picture of death and destruction. Right In the introduction, hey, this is God, this is Jesus, this is God, this is Jesus, you need to pay attention. Here, let's talk about destruction. Now, Paul starts off optimistically, you know, we ought to thank God always for you because uh, rightly so, your faith is flourishing and your love for each other is increasing, right? Their faith continues strongly, which is something he was very much pushing for in the first book. And their love, which he said in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 9 and 10, your love about brotherly love, I can't tell you anything else because God himself has taught you how to do this. Their love, which is already basically perfect, keeps on growing because as much as, as well as we can do on earth, we can always do better and always push more. This is an indication that they are indeed living 1 Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, and Paul is proud of them in verse 4, uh, in verses 3 and 4. He is proud of them 
we ourselves boast about you among God's churches, about your perseverance and your faith and all the persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. And so not only are they good and faithful, not only are they great and loving, they are also being very, very faithful and true to God. They are suffering for him and going through all sorts of different things for the sake of the gospel. And that's excellent. And this is where Paul stops saying things are excellent, and he starts talking about the judgment of God, right? And he phrases it in verse 5, you know, it's clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you are suffering, since it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, right? He says, you are good, and you are worthy, and you are going to be in the kingdom of God. Let's talk about God's judgment, <laughs> Let's talk about how it destroys those who aren't worthy. Let's talk about how it, it tears down those who afflict you, the, those who are unfaithful, those who are unbelieving. And in verse 11, he's going to come back around and say, in view of this, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling. And we'll talk about that again when we get to verse 11. But for right now, just realize, he says, it's clear evidence you are worthy in verse 5, but in verse 11, oh, you're not as worthy as you could be. And that's an indication that first, that Thessalonica is maybe um, not doing quite as well as we would hope. God in this section in verses 5 through 10, he talks, uh, sorry, Paul in this section of verses 5 through 10 talks about judging God judging righteously and vindicating those who live in a worthy manner. If you are afflicted because you are faithful to God, God will ultimately deal with it. It's only fair for God to judge between the good and evil, after all. In verses 6 and 7, how could God not repay what is uh, evil with the consequences of their actions? Of course it's fair, of course it is just for God to go out and do that. And when is it all going to come to fruition? That's verses 8, 9, and 10. Jesus is returning with flaming fire. Those who don't obey him will be, uh, will be caught up in the consequences. They'll pay the penalty, verse 9. Eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength on that day when he comes to be glorified. Why? Because if you don't glorify God... When God comes back to be glorified, you don't have a part in that, and you have effectively destroyed yourself and cast yourself out from his presence. This will all happen, just judgment and fair trials will all happen when Jesus returns. The destruction comes for the disobedient, but what Paul says on the flip side of that is that the believers, in, in verse 11, He's going to come to be, to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at by those who have believed. The believers will be safe and able to glorify and glory in true justice being done when Jesus returns. Those who are not true believers, who are on the other side of things, who are the evil ones who have walked away and ignored what God said, they will pay a penalty because when true justice returns, they'll face what they ought to have, and they won't like it very much. They won't be on God's side. They weren't in this life, and so they won't be in the next. And that's kind of a serious thing, because judgment is coming, Thessalonica. 
And as much as you are living worthily, you still need to work at it. Now, something's happened between these two. In 1 Thessalonians, when you consider the whole book, you have three chapters of Paul being grateful for how good they are. You have a fourth chapter in which he says, you're doing great, you're doing great. You could be doing slightly better on this one aspect of things. And then chapter 5 was just reminding them of how well they're doing and how they need to stick it through to the end. Now you open 2 Thessalonians, and chapter 1 is, well, you guys need to keep judgment in mind, because the worthy are going to be judged well, and the unworthy are going to be judged and have the consequences of being unworthy. Keep that in mind. It's happening when God's coming, and you are worthy right now. But despite your present worthiness, we need to pray to God that you stay that way. Verses 11 and 12, in view of this, we always pray for you, that our God will make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power, fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith. Thessalonica, you want to do good, you want to be worthy, you want to be God's. That's true in verse 5, you are but there are things that we can do to make you more worthy than you are. God be with you to make you good and to keep making you good because you need it, right? And that's a message that's true for everyone. None of us are, are as good as God on our own. We can be uh, helped by God to be made better, and that's a requirement for all of us to recognize, but at the same time, He's expressing it in 2 Thessalonians in not quite of an optimistic language, not quite a, as hopeful as it used to be three months ago or whenever the first book was written. He says something important at the end. That is, you desire to do good. Your work is produced by faith. But what's the point of all of this? Thessalonica, what's the point of what you're doing? The point is that the name of our Lord Jesus would be glorified by you, and you by him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that language remind you of anything? Our, uh, our God and the Lord Jesus Christ? What about starting off the book with two repetitions of, this is our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ? Paul is calling back to his intro here. There's an important repetition. You need to think about God. You need to think about Jesus. You need to think about God. You need to think about Jesus. You need to think about what God's doing and how you're suffering for him. You need to think about what Jesus is doing and how he's going to return in judgment. Now, at the end of everything, you are trying to do good. Why? You need to think about God. You need to think about Jesus. Because that's why doing good matters. And that's why living right matters at all. The life that you live is to be glorifying to God. If it's not, then you are not worthy. The suffering you face, why are you doing it? To glorify God. If you're not, it's not worthy. The work that you do, why are you doing it? To glorify God. If you're not, it doesn't matter. The judgment that's coming What's its purpose? It's to glorify God. And that is what it will do. 
The question is, Thessalonica, are you living worthily? And not just the living right, and not just the being pure, and not just the loving your brother, and not just the encouraging each other with those specific words that Paul gave them in 1 Thessalonians 4. The point is not to just go through these mechanical actions. The point is to know why you are doing it. You need to know God. You need to know Jesus. You need to think about God and think about Jesus. Focus on God and focus on Jesus. Glorify God and glorify Jesus. Something has happened in Thessalonica, and yes, they may still be doing the right actions, but something about their heart has slipped, and I don't think they quite understand why they're doing what they're doing. When you look at 1 Thessalonians 1, you have Paul who's super happy and, and thankful and just grateful and overflowing in praise for them because of their faith in God. Oh, and there's a mention at the end that Jesus is also there and Jesus is helping them through. When you open the letter of 2 Thessalonians, when you look at the first chapter, you see a chapter about how Jesus is there and Jesus is judging and people need to live worthily. Oh, and you're also doing well too. In the first letter, their faith was the center point, and Jesus' work was a bit on the end that was important for them to remember, but they didn't need to uh, but but they needed to uh, realize where they were first. Now you get to Second Thessalonians, and unfortunately, it's no longer about them doing well. It's no, you forgot to include Jesus at all. You read chapter 1, and you, instead of taking it as praise that was good and humbling yourself and giving yourself to God to glorify Him, you took it a little too literally, and now you're doing the right thing, but you also forgot Jesus, and He's an afterthought in your minds. That should not be. That's not how that works. So no, 2 Thessalonians is not the chipper letter that Paul wrote the first one as. Yes, they are doing well. Yes, they are living right. Yes, they are doing good-ish. But something's off, and they've forgotten their first love, and they've walked away from the focus, and unfortunately their priorities are a little bit skewed. 2 Thessalonians is a letter in which Paul will attempt to address that. Someone has taught something false concerning Jesus and Jesus' return. They need to think about that. They need to figure out what the deal is with Jesus' return, because maybe once they do, they'll start focusing on Jesus as the center and the core of everything. And maybe once they do that, they'll start putting him up and glorifying him as the Son of God. As he should be. This is a serious issue. It's a very little thing, but it's a serious issue that needs addressing. And so Paul writes a short letter about it to encourage them to focus on God and focus on Jesus. We'll look at some of the misconceptions next time when we go into 2 Thessalonians 2, talking about this man of lawlessness and whatever is going on with him. But until next week, farewell. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed, hope you found something to benefit from, and can focus on Jesus this week. God bless, and I'll see you next time on Biblical Breadcrumbs.